So we've been pre preaching on the power of the word, the, the word that you read, the word that you hear, the word that you, that's been spoken over you, and how powerful that is as opposed to, you know, what, what Joyce was talking about up here, as opposed to all the other voices. You know, I, I have, I've told you before, I have like 30 minutes on a Sunday morning, if you're here, to counter 6,000 commercials that you've heard this week. I, I have 30 minutes. You know, the Holy Spirit has 30 minutes, I guess, if you don't pray through the week, uh, to counteract all the junk, all the influences, all the words that, that's come against you throughout the day, all the negative things, not just the things outside, but the things in your little head, things from your past. And those, listen, those things do not define you. That's important to understand. And the Lord's giving me some word. I, I'm not sure if it'll be the next series or not, but God's given me a powerful thing on this about family. And we, we've got to get to the place where our, our natural family doesn't define us, but that our spiritual family defines us. Oh, that, oh that's, okay, I don't want to spoil it. I'm not going to say any more about that. Just, just look at your neighbor and say, that's going to be good. That's going to be, oh, my God. It might even offend people. It's going to be so good. But, but, but how, how do we keep the passion? How do we keep the fire burning? You know, if you're in the military, and, of course, I was in the Navy, so when we were in boot camp, we had fake guns. So I don't know. I, but, you know, if you're in a real war, one thing they always tell you is keep your rifle clean. I mean, that's, that's a priority. Because the moment you need it, you don't have time to clean it. So during times of no warfare, you need to be cleaning your weapon, keeping it sharp, keeping it oiled. Come on. Come on. We're few in number, so I need twice as many amens from you. How many are here this morning? How many are awake this morning? How many can amen this morning? Yeah, you notice it got less and less and less. <laughs> so let's, let's look at some scripture Watch this in, in Proverbs uh, 27, verse 17. Let's read it first in the New King James Version. You may be more familiar with it. He says, as iron sharpens iron. And, and we don't, may not understand what that is, but you may have seen it on TV, the old, the old wheels, those big, big wheels, and you pump them, and they go around. It's a stone, a stone wheel or a metal wheel, and it goes around, and you put your blade on it, and sparks fly, and you sharpen that. Or you might have a, a you may have a, a piece of iron, okay, and you sharpen your knives. Okay, ladies at home, <laughs> let's just bring it home. You probably have you know that little thing where you put all your knives in, and one of them has a sharpening implement, right? And you take that, put your knives on that sharpening implement, and it's amazing how quickly you can get a sharp edge. Just try to you know cut some chicken. Without that sharp edge, cut a tomato and you're smashing it instead of cutting it. You understand how easy life is when the knife is sharp. So iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And this is exactly what Paul is doing to Timothy in this letter. He's trying to sharpen him. So that he can deal with all the noise and all the false doctrine and all the false doctrine in this world. There's a lot of junk. And a lot of it's called TV, preacher. 
If we could just get behind the scenes on some of these guys, we, we would never watch some of them. Are, are you okay with what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not here to name names. I'm not their judge. But we, we, we sharpen, and Paul is sharpening him, and he's, and he's telling him, and, and the parts of 1 Timothy we don't preach, uh, that I'm not preaching in this series, are the parts that talk about elders and, 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 and women elders and, and, the, and the leadership of the church. And he says, here's the standards. Here's what, here's what you need to do. So Paul's not just uh, sharpening Timothy, but he's telling Timothy how to sharpen the next generation. So iron sharpens iron. We actually, God actually uses us to sharpen. Let's look at this in the, in the Passion Translation. It says, it takes a grinding wheel to sharpen a blade. And so a friendly argument can sharpen a man. Isn't that good? That's good. Amen. Praise God. Look at Daniel 7.25, and we know exactly what he's doing. He says, he, the devil, the enemy, how many know we have an enemy? He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. He shall persecute the saints. Any saints here today? Of the Most High. If you're not being persecuted, it's because you're not a threat. Jesus, help us. And shall intend to change times and law. How many know the laws are being changed? He's even trying to change the seasons. Then the saints shall be given to do his hand for a time and times and half a time. He's trying to persecute. That's the New King James. The Old King James Version says he wants to wear out the saints. And that is exactly what he's doing. And how does he do it? By speaking pompous words. Words. Say words. Words have power. And he's speaking pompous words against the Most High. And that means he's speaking it against you. Jesus said if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. They tried to wear him out. They, they killed him. And they're persecuting and trying to wear us out. But Paul says, keep your weapon sharp. Ecclesiastes 10.10, 10, I like this. It says, if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. In other words, work smart, not hard. In the spirit realm, work smart. I think a lot of us are just working hard. Our prayer life is just a burden. We just feel weighted all the time. We feel like we've got to do something. We've got to take care of this. i got to find an answer. I need a breakthrough. Amen. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to fight a battle with your dull sword. Instead of using the sharp sword of the spirit. He said, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Amen. I'm not saying it's easy to be a Christian. I'm just saying you can bear this. He doesn't put more on you than you can stand. Am I helping anybody? This is, this is it because we have a sharp sword. We can cut through the nonsense. We can cut through the fakeness. We can cut through the lies. We can cut through our past. We can cut through our depression. We can cut through it, amen, because we have the sword of the Lord, which is the word of God. Give him praise, amen. Thank you, Jesus, amen. Wow, great scripture, amen. That's almost a refrigerator scripture. That's good. Amen. So let's, let's, let's go to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to go through 12 through 16, and then we're going to break it down. So let's listen to the word. He says, Timothy, don't be what? 
Don't be intimidated by those who are older than you. Now, he's not a teenager anymore. <laughs> he's like in his early 30s, and he still, got, he still has daddy issues. He's still intimidated by older people. He's intimidated by more experienced people. He's, he's intimidated by smarter people. I know I'm not talking to anyone that that applies to, but I thought I'd throw it out. Because sometimes we just feel intimidated around certain people. Well, come on, just be honest. Simply by the example, um, simply by the example, they need to see by being faithful and true in all that you do. Speak the truth and live a life of purity and authentic love as you remain strong in your faith. So until I come, be diligent in devouring the Word of God. Be faithful in prayer and in teaching the believers. Don't minimize the powerful gift that operates in your life. Wow. For it was imparted to you. It's not about you. It was imparted to you. Uh-huh. By the laying on of hands of the elders and was activated. You see two parts here? And was activated through the prophecy they spoke over you. Oh, that's good. Make all of this your constant meditation and make it real with your life so that everyone can see that you are moving forward. Give careful attention to your spiritual life and every cherished truth you teach. For living what you preach will then release even more abundant life. Maybe we don't have abundant life in us because we're not living what we... Why don't I have more power? You're not living right. Oh, my God. Release even more abundant life inside you. And, and to all those who listen to you. Wow. Some, when that happens in us, it not only has, brings power to us, but everyone who listens to us. Oh, that's more powerful than you're letting on. So... Verse 12, 13, and 14 give us three stages, three steps. 2019, that number nine is the number of fruitfulness. This is going to be the year of fruitfulness. Anybody with me? Anybody want fruitfulness? Amen? Would it not aggravate you to grow or plant an apple tree, and after 20 years you still don't have any apples? I mean, the shade is nice. Some people just want shade, no fruit. Oh, what do you mean, preacher? Just think about it. Come on now. 2019 is a year of fruitfulness. I believe it's going to be a breakout year. It's the sharpened sword of the Lord that's going to cut a hole, going to cut a path to go where we have never gone before. Now, we, let, let's break some terms down that we understand these three terms, these three things. Because, first of all, you got to break things off. And then, secondly, you, then you can have a breakthrough. And then after the breakthrough, you can have a breakout. That's three different things. And sometimes we're, we're trying to do the breakout thing when we've never really got ourselves ready for the bre- even the breakthrough. Now, I'm, I'm going to break these down if you'll, if you'll stay with me. All right? Lock the doors. No one's allowed to leave. Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Let's read this in the message. 
And don't let anyone put you down because you're young. Teach believers with your life, by word, by demeanor, by love, by faith, by integrity. This is how, this is how we fight our battles. Amen? It was 1947 that Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier. It wasn't until 1947. They tried before that and crashed. Their airplanes were not made to survive. It's hard for us to understand this today because we get in jet planes now that go, you know, I don't know how many, several hundred miles an hour. But back then, those little triplanes, World War II planes, they could not go faster than the 640 miles per hour it takes to break the sound barrier. How many have ever heard that? I remember especially when I was young. You don't hear it as much now. They, they do things. But I, I remember hearing what's called a sonic boom. And you go, what in the world? And you, you would have to be in, in the trailing path of that plane, and you have to be fairly low. Now they, they fly a lot higher. But you'd have to be in a place... The boom is there, of course, but you can't, but, but only if your ear is within the cone can you hear it. And uh, I, I, know, I, I know an example of at least one British pilot that tried to break the sound barrier and his plane literally just shook apart and crashed. They couldn't get past that barrier. They didn't know what it was or what it was. I mean, they, they, they figured it was sound. You know, there was some point people believed you couldn't get past that. It's like today people say you can't go faster than the speed of light. Star Trek does it all the time. I don't know what they're, what they're saying. But back then you couldn't break the sound barrier. And what causes that boom, it's complicated, but the plane is actually going faster than the sound it creates. And it, so it, it causes a vibration in the atmosphere that sounds like a shotgun going off. If you're in the plane, you can't hear it because you're already past it. (laughs) But the people behind you feel the effect of the sonic boom because the atmosphere is shaken to such a degree that it causes a boom if you're in the cone of the influence of the plane that breaks it. It's funny, when Chuck Yeager finally broke the sound barrier, he said it was, it was an amazing moment, but really it was anticlimactic. He said after we broke it, it wasn't like, you know, Star Trek. It wasn't like I was on the moon or something. He just, they just broke it. They just went through it. You can't hear the boom in the plane either. So they, they just broke it. He says, he said once we broke it, it was no big deal. It was a big deal till we broke it. It was a big deal because we couldn't get past it. But once we broke it, it wasn't any big deal anymore. He said it was, it was like poking jello. That's, that's a literal quote. He said it's like poking jello. No big deal. Whew, glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
Didn't James talk about life just being a vapor? I just, listen, my word to you this morning is those things you think are blocking you, those things that are holding you back, they may seem like a big deal. And and I guess they are, you know, where you're at now. But believe me, I've broken through some of the things you've brought, you haven't broken through. I'm here on the other side telling you it's just a vapor. It's just a puff of smoke. You'll just walk through it one day and it won't be that big a deal. Say it with me. I'm going to poke that jello, whatever color you want it to be. I'm going to poke that jello. I'm getting through, amen, what I need to get through. But the plane had to be designed to survive. There has to be a transformation in you. It's not about you doing it, it's about you being prepared. It's just about take being like Jesus. It's about getting rid of fleshly things. Saying no to the world and yes to God, amen. And as you say yes to him and no to the enemy and resist the devil and he flees from you, amen. God will make you, God will give you a body, amen, that will be able to poke the jello and go through to the next level. Somebody help me in this house. Amen. There's stuff you need to shake off to break your sound barriers. And isn't it interesting that it's a sound barrier? The barriers that are holding you back are so unreal. They're really just voices from your past. They're just really... See, I want to get back to this family. I want to preach this so bad. It's, it's really just a lot of stuff that goes back three or four generations even. It's just a lot of stuff that you hear. It's stuff people say about you. It's things that you believe that aren't true. Amen. It's a sound barrier. You need to break that evil word that's keeping you from being all you were meant to be. Oh, somebody help me in this house. It's a sound barrier. Somebody's whispered lies and it's made a cone around you and it's causing you to not be who God said you can be. It's time to break through. First of all, break off and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that help anybody? Oh, good. Let's just go home. Really, in this verse, he's saying three things, especially if you look in the King James Version. What he's saying to break off, he, 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 watch this, Hebrews t- in verse 26. The earth was rocked, say rocked, at the what of his voice? Sound of his voice. I'm sick and tired of the enemy shaking our world. Sound of his voice from the mountain. That's the place of authority. But now, say, but now. He has promised once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of the world, but also the unseen powers, barriers in the heavenly realm. Now, this phrase, once and for all, clearly indicates the final removal of things that are shaking. That is the old order. So only what is unshakable You can't, whatever is loose and shaking and not built properly is not getting through the sound barrier. Anybody hearing me? But what is unshakable is whatever God gives you. 
Quit trying to bring your luggage and junk through the sound barrier. Oh, God. Since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship that delights his heart as we lay down our lives. Remember, break off in absolute surrender, filled with awe for our God is a holy, devouring fire. He didn't say that to scare you. He said that to say, I'm burning off all the shakable stuff so that you can have an unshakable. Oh, my God. I, I, I don't know if you're getting this. I don't know if you're getting this. Number two, we need to break off, right, so we can break through. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 13 in the message. Stay at your post, reading scripture, giving counsel, and teaching. Ah, there's the breakthrough. Listen, what in the, why in the world would he allow you to break through if you have no intention of doing what he called you to do? He's not giving you a breakthrough so you can enjoy ice cream, so you can just have fun, so you can never have another trial. You will always have trials. Shh. It's not preached anywhere else. I just thought I'd let you know. There's thorns in them there, roses. So he gives us the three things that you need to be doing after you break off so you can break through. And let me just put it this way. I think we have them for you. You need to proclaim, edify, and explain. Preach, comfort, and teach. Proclaim. So I'm not a preacher. I don't have a license. You don't need a license to preach. Preaching just means proclaiming. How many of you know you all have the calling to proclaim, to speak out? So we need to proclaim. That needs to be part of our ministry. I don't know what God wants me to do. Duh. He gave you a voice. Use it. Instead of listening to those other voices, proclaim, edify. We're called to build one another up. Oh, I don't know how to do that. I need a curriculum. You don't need a curriculum. You need a compassionate heart. You need a smiling face. Somebody say, I've got the joy of the Lord. Notify your face. There's no evidence. We got to sing that song. I got the joy, joy, joy. And watch their face. I got the joy, joy, joy. Down in my heart, really deep. Proclaim, say proclaim, edify, build one another up, right? And then explain, teach, break it down, counsel, talk to one another. All of these involve speaking. Come on now. This is what we do to break out. It's not mysterious. You don't have to do some magical thing. Just start doing what God's calling you to do, and you'll be amazed. You've heard me say this several times. We were back in the old sanctuary many years ago. Oh, my God. You know, I'm so old, and I didn't know Noah, but I knew some of his sons. That's how old I am. And I remember back in the old sanctuary, I remember, I remember being on the platform, and something was hindering the service, and the Lord told me to just start running. You can't run very far on that platform. But I just began to jog, and, I, and as I started, I saw this cloud. 
right in front of me, and I just ran through the cloud. Can you imagine how easy it is to run through a cloud? I was on the other side of it, and I'll never forget that. And God has just told me, he says, your trials and tribulations, you think they're a wall, but they're not. They're really just a cloud. Come on, poking pudding. Amen. That sounds better than poking jello. Amen. That's what the anointing will do for you. Listen, the anointing breaks the yoke. You have been anointed. Isaiah 61, right? We'll get to it here. You have been anointed. And I know some of us don't, you know, and, and we've preached this. We've gone through this. The difference between the anointing and what the presence is and even what the glory is. We've preached that. It might be time for me to go back to that again, preach that again. This is very powerful. There is a difference between the anointing and and the presence of God and the glory of God. There, there is a difference between them, and we, we just use those terms interchangeably, when, and it's not wrong, but it's good to know the exact thing, what we're talking about. And when we talk about the anointing, I don't have time to get into that, but the, listen, when I talk about the anointing, one of the best ways to help me to understand it is to understand furniture, believe it or not, because in the Old Testament, the furniture was anointed. Now, that's a clue. That's a clue what the anointing is because God would not send his presence and he would not send the glory until every piece of furniture, every piece of clothing, and every person in that room was anointed. So basically it tells me that the anointing sets you aside for power. You're anointed to do something. In the Old Testament, you were either a king, a priest, right, or a prophet. Those are the only people that were anointed in the Old Testament, the Trinity, right? There it is. In the New Testament, we can all be anointed. You might be saved. I don't know if you've been anointed yet. And anointed means you've been set apart. Not just, you're not just on your way to heaven, but you've been set apart to do something. And the anointing includes the power to do it. But to really understand the meaning of the anointing, you need to understand why did they anoint. For instance, when you walked in over on the right-hand side is the, the, communion, the, the communion of the, the place of the table of faces, literally, the, the communion table, right? And on the communion table are the 12 loaves of bread representing, and, and the priests changed those loaves out every day, right? The priests ate a lot of bread back then, and they would change those. But listen. Once that table was anointed, catch this, once that table was anointed, you can't take that table home and put it in your kitchen. Well, a table is a table. What difference does it make? No. That's God's table now. You, in other words, you can't use it for common things anymore. Anybody, this is deeper than you're letting on. You can't use that table for ordinary things anymore. It's been anointed. It has a purpose. It belongs to God. To be anointed means you're not to be used for common things anymore. You don't have a common worldly purpose anymore. You're not just here to get up in the morning and go to work and go through the, go through, you know, the things that you do every day. You have been anointed. God's given you power to do something other than you used to do. God has set you apart. You're not a kitchen table anymore. You are the table of the Lord. Somebody get a hold of this. Amen. You're not common. 
That's why the Bible says, touch not mine anointed. That's why you need to stop messing with people. Amen. Just because you disagree with them. Because they're God's anointed. Get your hands off of them. Oh, I want to preach there for an hour. I'd wear you out. How many understand the anointing? How many will come back to get the other two on another day? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So, so to be anointed means to be set aside, not to be used for common use. It means that you are now available, say I'm available, for the power needed for the position you've been anointed to. And thirdly, you were given that. Say, I was given it. You didn't earn it. It's not because you're so holy. If you think you are, come talk to us. We'll be quick to judge you. We can do it. That anointing was given to you as a gift through the Word of God. I like that too. We'll get to it here. But I like that two-part thing. He says, you, you received. Say, I received an anointing by the laying on of hands. But the anointing was activated by a word spoken by those who laid hands on you. That's powerful. I could preach there a while. Isaiah 61, I, I don't have time to get into this, but you understand the Spirit of the Lord, right? The Master is on me because, because purpose, because God anointed me. The presence is on me because He anointed me. And now I can walk in the glory and the glory is when you preach good news to the poor and they're moved up. And, and the glory is healing broken-hearted people. And they, that's the glory. I don't know what you think the glory is, but the glory is every time heaven and earth intersect. 1 Timothy 4.14. 4, and that special gift of ministry you were given when the leaders of the church laid hands on you and prayed, keep that dusted off and in use. You know, you come visit people sometimes and there's dust all over the family. Number two, do not neglect. Say neglect. Do not neglect the gift, the gift, the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. How does that work? Real quick, 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy now, he explains in chapter 1 how this works. He said that precious memory triggers another your honest faith and what is and what a rich faith it is hand it down from your grandmother lois to your mother eunice oh there's that f spiritual family we need that dna i want to preach this so bad and now to you generation three and the special gift of ministry you received when i laid hands on you and prayed keep that ablaze. God doesn't want us to, to be shy with his gifts, but bold and loving and sensible. You got me? Read it again in the King James Version. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am uh, persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up. Worship team, come on. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. 
For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's time to learn how to stir. Maybe, maybe it would just help your brain if you just do that once in a while. Just say, I'm stirring up the gift that was put in me.